Well, welcome, all you wiretappers out there. Back here at the studio of Gangland Wire. I have a, a particularly interesting show, I think, for you today. It's going to be a little bit different. You know, we're not going to talk about, you know, John Gotti. You know, I get, you probably get sick of talking about John Gotti. I do. And and we're not even going to talk about uh, uh, Al Capone, although we may, tell me, we may mention his name at some point in time here. But we're going to talk about mafia genealogy and and the origins of the mafia in Sicily. There's a lot of different stories about that. I I know, uh, I've heard a few of them, and and you know, then in, in all those different stories, is any uh, historical accounts somewhere in the middle lies the truth. Now we never really get to the truth usually, but but at least we got some different stories, and and we have an expert here. Well, folks, we have a particularly interesting guest today. Justin Cassio. Welcome, Justin. Thank you for having me, Gary. Well, well, Justin has a really interesting website. He does some really interesting mafia history pieces on that website. It's Mafia Genealogy, and he has a Facebook page, too. So, you know, just Google Mafia Genealogy, and I promise you, you'll find Justin's website. And same way as Facebook, just go in and search Mafia Genealogy, and you'll find his Facebook page. And he takes a, a little bit different look at the mafia. And I, I just find it fascinating, Justin. Uh, it, it's a lot of work, though. I know that. It's not just finding somebody that's got a story to tell, this mafia genealogy, but it, it tells you so much. So, Justin, uh, tell us, like, what's the difference in history and genealogy? The difference between history and genealogy is what happened and who did it. Um, when we talked about this earlier, when we're talking about mafia genealogy and its relationship to mafia history, the stories are the meat, but the bones are the genealogy, the people who were involved and those family relationships that connect them. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. And those family relationships in these Borgatas, if you will, are, are hugely important in these families. I mean, I just can look at Kansas city and, and see that, you know, our boss, and and his brother were in, were kind of ran the job, ran the operation. Nick and Cork Savella and and their younger brother Tony Ripe was an up and comer. And then he's married to the underboss's sister, Tuffy DeLuna is the underboss, and and his sister is Molly, and she marries you know one of the Savellas. And and so it's uh, <laughs> but you get to know the families and who begat who, if you will that you, you can start making sense of the stories then and, and how they're operating. Uh, I, I guess you have to do, I, I, I know I have friends and my brother does family genealogy. So you got to get in, you got to find death certificates and birth certificates, right? Absolutely. And, and explain kind of how you would do a, a genealogical search, for example. What, what would be a step-by-step uh, how you well, would do I've never done Kansas City. So if I was going to start, I'd find out who the big players were. And I would do that probably by going to somebody like Bill Feather's website, um, because he keeps a lot of biological, biographical history on each on the people. And he tells you when they were born and stuff. So that'd be a great place for me to start. And then I would start to try and find those people. I'd start with the boss and I would look for them in the census records on family search. And then in the census records, I'm going to find out what his nuclear family looks like and maybe even a little of his extended family. Maybe some of his neighbors are important, too. And um, then I would trace him back through the years. Every 10 years, there's another census and um, find his marriage, find him with his parents, find out where his parents came from until I can get back to the old country. And then I've got another set of records that I start looking in there. 
That brings up a question. How do you do the old country? That's got to be difficult. It depends on where you're from. Uh, If I get lucky and you're from one of the towns where the documentation is available online, then I'm looking at images of old records. And so I have to be able to read handwriting in Italian and, and be able to know what I'm looking at. Yeah, that's difficult there. That reading that old handwriting, I've done a little bit of that. Looking at read, try reading an old will sometime. Oh, and you're you just your eyes just start glazing over. It's hard to keep for me. It's hard to maintain my focus. Uh, if it's if it's typed, I can do it. But boy, that uh, handwriting is is tough. And then now you got another language that makes it even harder. Now, like for example, uh, Corleone, Sicily, or or Palermo. Certain cities, certain towns have records online. If if one of these guys out here tracing their own family heritage back, correct? Yeah, I'm from Corleone, or my family is, and Corleone has some of the best records available online. There's the civil records, which will cover most of the 1800s. And um, then there's church records, which go all the way back to about 1600. Wow. Cool. Cool. I never thought about that. It never, never entered my mind. That's that's really a, a whole gives this whole mafia history thing that I do uh, a, a whole different perspective for me to, to, to get it more accurate. There's a lot of argument out there online. You, you, you do a story and, and the comments, if you get something wrong, you take some myth that has been perpetuated, you know, from one writer to the other writer to the other writer. And that happens a lot as, as we all know. And, and you say that in a podcast and boy, they'd line up down there. Now you got it wrong. <laughs> it's almost as bad as mispronouncing a name, which I do periodically. They give me hell for that. <laughs> too <laughs> but i got a thick skin <laughs> anyhow and this is this is great to have you here you know i was uh i was looking at your website and on your website guys you got to take a look at this mafia genealogy website really interesting stuff uh and and uh one of the first things that that uh, and i mentioned it to you is i had ran into this and i just thought well i guess somebody says little sicily and some people say little italy but you point out there's two different areas in Chicago, just outside the loop, Little Italy and Little Sicily. And, and so there's things like that on there, guys. It's just, it's amazing. There's whole stories about that. And Justin has promised to come back and we're going to do a show on that one. So, but that's kind of things. And, and you look at all the different major cities. And so how, how, how do you pick each city out as you go? I know you had New York, Boston, Chicago, uh, and Springfield, Massachusetts, for example. Mm-hmm. Now, uh, uh, how, how do you pick out these cities that you go to? It's been an organic process. My family is uh, deeply rooted in New York. So I was doing a lot of New York at first. And that's how I found my first connections uh, through Ken to a mafioso. I realized that um, I think it's my second cousin twice removed, something like that. She married her first cousin, whose cousin is Giuseppe Morello. And then my family, when we moved to New York, we lived in East Harlem on the same block as the Morello Terranova family in about the same time frame that they were living there. Uh, And that's how I got started looking at um, gangsters and getting into mafia history. And so I started with, you know, um, the Morello family and what it became, the Genovese family uh, and who else was in town. There's a lot of um, history uh, in the Lucchese family of people from Corleone. Um, then 
I started to get stories from people over time because I'd be writing about uh, what was going on in New York and then it gets over into Brooklyn and starts getting me up into Utica. And before you know it, you're in Chicago because um, I followed Joe Aiello from Utica to Chicago. So I had to understand what his situation was. What was he moving into? Uh, and then I was doing this other thing with people from Corleone where I was trying to follow a lot of migrants. I wanted to like get lots of data about people moving from Corleone to the United States so that I could compare them with the gangsters that I'd found from Corleone who had made the same move to see if there was anything um, quantitatively different about them. Uh, were they coming from a different class? Were they coming in through a different port? Were they going into different careers? That kind of thing. And some of the people that I followed coming in through New Orleans were going to Chicago. And so then, and then I found the story there about uh, that, I, that is on my website uh, about the uh, the kidnapping and the bar and the murders uh, around Little Sicily there. Uh, interesting. You know, that, that brings out a question. I, I promise you this would be a little bit organic, <laughs> dynamic interview, which I like to do. Uh, I ran into a deal and I, I, I I've given talks around here in Kansas City in the area after I did my movie and about the skimming and the big mob war we had here. So people would come up to me and they'd say, well, what about the mafia down around uh, Springfield or Springfield, well, Springfield, Missouri, which is southwest Missouri and in Pittsburgh, Kansas and Frontenac, Kansas, which is just across the state line into Kansas. Well, what about the mafia down there? And I said, you know, I, I don't know. I, I've, uh, yeah, I'm at a loss here because I don't know anything about it. But then as I have gotten into this and I did a story on Joey Iupa from Chicago and he got his name, Joey Doves. And so he, I'm researching that. And where was he hunting? He was hunting in Southeast Kansas in Frontenac, Kansas and in Pittsburgh, Kansas. And he seemed to have connections down there and other mobsters were going down there hunting. And so I went down there and I stopped at a uh, uh, kind of a little local history museum. And, and turns out they had a big coal mining operation down there at the turn of the century, right after the turn of the century, and they did what they called strip mining. They would just take the dirt off the top and dig out the coal. And she said that when they first got started, the need for laborers, they had they had tons and tons of Sicilian immigrants come in and created a whole population. Ah, that's what happened. So that's the kind of uh, stuff. And then they started dropping names and actually two or three of the stores and the restaurants are still people that were there you know, going all the way back to that time and when Joey Doves Iupa was down there. And so they, he made connections down there and they hosted him down there. So that genealogy thing and where people came from, I bet we could find out a lot about the town that they came from, a lot of them, uh, and, and would explain Old even house more. Would, yeah, would all go to the same region. Lots and lots of people would follow their brother, their neighbor, their in-laws, um, chain migration, they call it, but that's just the natural way of doing things. It's how people move. It's how we've moved our entire history. Uh, uh, and also, it's something that's kind of funny about the, these um, people that we're studying that I don't think either one of us thought about before. We look at them as urban people. They're they're doing their thing in Chicago and yeah. New York and Pittsburgh, Kansas City, but they were rural people. They were farmers back in Sicily, and. I have all kinds of stories about gangsters going off hunting in the countryside. I mean, it's a part of the Appalachian story. Yeah. Uh, 
it's part of one of the good killers stories, the murder in New Jersey. They were supposed to go off hunting together. Um, uh, another story that I've heard, you know, has Chicago gangsters going out to Oklahoma to the, the farmland and hanging out in a barn all summer and going out hunting in the daytime as a, as a, as a pastime. They were country people. They came here and they planted sugarcane and they put figs in their backyard and they went hunting. I mean, you know, <laughs> it was, um, um, these are some of the traditions that they brought with them and, and, and kept. Yeah, if, you, if you think about Carlos Marcello down in New Orleans, he had a huge, he had several thousand acres of land and he had, he raised goats uh, and the goats were, you know, sold for meat <laughs> and he wow. had a huge big farm, which was kind of like his, you know, country retreat, but it was a working farm also. <laughs> if you imagine who they looked up to in Sicily, the men with a lot of money, yeah. they would have probably had goats and they went hunting <laughs> and they lived in the country in the big estates. <laughs> Don Corleone, the godfather, the fictional godfather, he's out tending his grapes there at the end. He's got his little- Long Island, there. yeah. <laughs> Anyhow, so, you know, what we really, I want to talk about, and, and I think my guys would like to hear, and, and uh, uh, we want to hear from you, Justin, is about how this thing got started in Sicily. What, uh, there's a lot of different stories, so, so kind of lead us into that. Sure. Um, some of the legends would have you believe that the mafia is hundreds and hundreds of years old, that it goes all the way back to the Sicilian Vespers in the 1200s. Um, which was one of the revolts of the people of Sicily against their foreign king uh, to get him out of there, thinking if we get rid of this king, we'll get to rule ourselves. And that never really happened for Sicily. But there was a series of kicking the old guy out and then hoping they're going to get to do their own thing. But then some other king invariably comes in and starts leading them instead. And so you have a series of different rulers in Sicily all through history, uh, going back you know, to the Emirate. But even before the Emirate, it was Rome that held yeah. Sicily is basically a giant penal colony, not a penal colony, but a slave colony. It was, it was nothing but agriculture and slaves. And that was the beginning of Sicily. And so that's what it grew up out of. And it's always been people being ruled by somebody from far away, uh, having the, uh, the raw riches of the island mined up or grown and then shipped away, uh, never developing the island, never building roads, schools, industry, uh, so it was always um, underdeveloped and, and kept primitive so that it was easy to uh, suppress. And so the legends that grew up in Sicily are about overcoming that history, you know, throwing the guy out for real. And um, but they're not always but they're not true. And the mafia story of the Sicilian Vespers is not true. The mafia is probably about as old as the Italian Republic. So about 1860. Some people will give it. I have a question about that because I know this is going to come up. The Sicilian Vespers. Now, we have this story that got popularized. One of the early books I read about the mafia back when I was in my early 20s, they talked about the night that, or the day or the evening that uh, uh, Luciano and, and I think Mayor Lansky and they killed I think it was Maranzano and then several other mob guys were killed. And, and it's claimed that that was the night of the Sicilian Vespers and Lucky Luciano took over everything. And then other people say, no, those guys were killed, you know, for some other reason, they didn't have anything. It wasn't any big, you know, night of killing off people. Then there's, you know, stuff in between. So you're talking about the Sicilian Vespers way back then. Explain what that 
when you say Sicilian Vespers, what are you talking about? Sure. Um, 1260-something, the Sicilian Vespers. Um, the king is from uh, what will be France, the Angevin dynasty. And uh, so he has French soldiers in the city of Palermo, and they're being disrespectful to people. Uh, and according to the legend, a soldier um, a, either a, insulted or assaulted or raped, depending on the story you get, uh, a young woman and her mother cried out, you know, for help. And men came and and then that was the beginning of the of the revolution. Okay. So that's the story of the Sicilian Vespers. Okay. And I don't know how much truth there is to the actual like flashpoint of it, but that's the one that we get in the mafia his, in okay. the mafia legend. Good. And then what the what you're talking about is 1931, end of the Castello Marese War. And Joe Valacci told us another legend, which is that a bunch of gangsters got killed that day uh, as part of kind of a clean slate situation. But that didn't happen either, as we've okay. All right. learned cool. from more uh, contemporary historians of the mafia. Okay, I, I'm sorry. Okay. I, can't, I hope you can pick up back about where you were. But <laughs> no problem. So the real mafia origins were probably in the countryside of Western Sicily. and um around 1830s is where i would put the start of mafia um the first documented incidents of um of a mafia ring was um from 1838 i want to say and it was about against it was about a guy from corleone his name was luca patty and um we, and I was able to find his baptismal record, his marriage record, trace his family tree. I know who his descendants are. Uh, and so he's one of the very first gangsters that we, uh, mafiosi that we know of in history because somebody wrote to some other government official about this guy who's stealing cattle and running them from Trapani to Palermo. And uh, at the same time, or around the same time, I've documented um, another gang of cattle rustlers that were based in Corleone uh, that the police rounded up and mostly ex mostly executed. Uh, and their families, I've also traced their descendants. And their families continue to be important in the mafia in Corleone, even for generations afterward. So it's really a family uh, business. Uh, interesting. Well, <laughs> it's a family, la familia. <laughs> interesting. And, and so, so from that, then how was it exported to this kind of family in the Corleone area? Did that, that get exported to other villages around Sicily and kind of start taking on some popularity of its own? Did they really, as legend would have it, uh, become like the shadow government they got tired of the government from uh from rome from northern italy coming in and 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 dispensing justice and so if you wanted justice you went to the local godfather how did that then develop from that kind of that single base there in corleone part of the history of sicily being neglected in the way that it was is that they didn't have a lot of police so what happened in Sicily stayed in Sicily. Um, if you wanted justice, you were gonna have to get it on your own. Um, people were living under a feudal system until like 
1812, I want to say. I'm always a little fuzzy on my dates. Um, but even after that time period, they continued to live in the same way, which is that they were completely dependent on the local estate for their work. And there was a Gabalotto who would be the one who would hire them to work on the estate. And that guy had so much power in town that he became the boss. He was the mafia boss of the town or one of them. And that system, it, it did get exported in a way um, because a lot of the agricultural workers in the United, who came to the United States to work you know, in New Orleans in that area um, would go through a padrone. They would have somebody who was more experienced uh, from Sicily, but more experienced in living in the United States, who would be their middleman, who would help connect them with um, a job and a place to live and tickets home. And um, before there was Western Union, a way to send your money back home, that kind of thing. Uh, I wouldn't say that the mafia was exported just from Corleone. It seems to be one of those things where it was being invented in a lot of different places all at once because everybody was... Um, they had a culture in common. Um, they had certain ways of making their families in common. Uh, Western Sicily is different from the rest of the island because it's where there was more Arab influence. It's where Palermo is. Uh, it's just um, a little different in a lot of different ways that have made it um, a unique kind of a place to breed a mafia. Uh, it was neglected, but it had all this wealth, but it's really unequal. Uh, and this culture of um, you protect your family first and you really can't trust outsiders because the outsiders change every few generations. Uh, the people who you can trust are the ones who are local, who have always been there. You know their families. Uh, and that culture stuck around, you know, for a few generations after emigration, too. People still, um, you know, turn to their father for permission to start a business or get married or things like that. So um, that part of the culture was, was constant. And that's something that the mafia builds upon. Uh, it's not that that culture alone is the mafia, but the mafia definitely is, is, is um, dependent upon that Sicilian culture. When, this is, when that culture changes, the mafia has to change a lot. Interesting. So when they came to the United States, Many people moved around the church and in the same neighborhood. I know that's what we have in Kansas City. And, yeah. and historically, in Little Italy or Columbus Park now in Kansas City, it's, it's, it's always was known as the safe place. You could leave your, your, your camera on your seat of your car and the window's down and nobody's ever going to take it down in Little Italy. And, and so that's, that's what I'm hearing about these neighborhoods when it first started over there that they stuck together and you better not be hurting your neighbors and, uh, and especially not be an outsider and do anything. So is that, <clears throat> does that sound right? Is that, that kind of how that myth developed over here? I don't know. I mean, when I, when you talk about that, I think about the, the women in my neighborhood growing up, like the women who would hang out on their stoops, um, who knew what was going on in the neighborhood. And if somebody who wasn't from town came down the street, they would know. Mm -hmm. And they'd be talking about it. They'd call their neighbor. Did you see that guy? You know? <laughs> yeah. Um, and if you don't have a good police presence and you're a really isolated community, like uh, a Sicilian town, uh, you are going to, uh, a stranger is going to stick out like a sore thumb. Yeah. 
Uh, interesting. No, so did the, then the the padrone over there? Then he settled differences between relatives and neighbors. I would have to assume they he was like the the overall judge of of what was go- going on legally. You know, you didn't go to court. <laughs> you, you had the padrone settle all your differences. Is that how that worked? Tended to be that way. Yeah. Or you know, if you if you couldn't work it out between your two families' heads. If they couldn't work it out, then you might take it to the Padron. Um, the court systems were really inaccessible to most people because it was very expensive to get a lawyer. There were multiple different court systems. Mm-hmm. Like, you know how in the United States, you can be um, taken up before a military court, mm-hmm. state court, and there's federal court, but I think that's about it. In Sicily, there was a church court. Every single professional guild had their own court system. Um, a lord who owned their property and was titled had domain over it and could judge cases in his property. So it was like everybody, um, there were so many different overlapping um, systems of um, justice that the result was there was no justice. The only, you could you could destroy your neighbor by dragging them through the courts forever and ever until he ran out of money. Mm-hmm. Um, but if you're poor, it wasn't, you couldn't even get in. It was just, you, you needed to settle things outside of the courts in an informal way. Interesting. Well, that's, you know, what you're telling me just, it makes a lot more sense about the development of the culture here in the United States is then, you know, they come to the United States and they have to, you know, they find a good court system and, and, but yet you're kind of squeezed out because you can't, you're, you're not given government jobs. You, you can't get jobs. You have to start your own little businesses and you live together. You share a language and a, a religion and, and you're a little bit different from the, the Protestants that were running everything when they got here. And so it's really making a lot more sense now. They brought that system with them. And so slowly but surely they've uh, you know, integrated into the larger society, become part of it. But it just takes a while. It was. And they did get resistance. Like um, the Catholic churches in the United States were dominated by Irish Catholics and they really resented the Italians. So the Italians wound up either being in the basement or finding or making their own church eventually that was separate from the Irish church. Yeah. Um, and, you know, kids had to go to school. So there was that. Um, but then most of the work that the Italian immigrants were doing was, um, was, was entry-level stuff. There was, a lot of them did work for the, the city. You know, I see a lot of people who were street cleaners. They worked in the sewers. They built tunnels. Yeah. You know, they were building streets. They were building America. Um, the laborer's job. The Irish had the cop jobs. <laughs> The good jobs the Irish had. (laughs) Yeah, there's a theory about crime and that social ladder that when you are um, at the bottom of the ladder, crime is one of the ways up to the next rung. And you see that again and again with individual mafiosi, the way that they conduct themselves. If they become successful and they avoid prison and they make enough money, what do they do? They move their family out to the suburbs. It really is Tony Soprano all over again. <laughs> yes. <laughs> we had it here for sure. They all moved from Little Italy to the, well, the same neighborhood, but but the, the suburbs. Mm-hmm. Well, this has been great. This is really interesting. Uh, Justin, do you have anything else you'd like to add about that? Anything you felt like people would like to know about that feudal system or the development of the mafia? I, I guess I maybe have a question. Uh, over on the mainland, they have the Camorra and the Drangheta. 
Yeah. And that's, you know, uh, from out of Naples and, and uh, the other one was from more the Adriatic side. I can't remember uh, which is which, but how did those develop compared to the mafia? Because we're talking about Sicilian mafia, which is a different animal than the Camorra and the uh, Draghetta. Right. The uh, the two mainland groups that you're talking about, they both evolved independently, separate from this from Sicily. They have some similarities, but in some ways um, they're a little more entrenched, like what I've read about uh, the Camorra. I'm not really strong on the Camorra and the Andrangheta okay. because they're not really my areas. Okay, I, I um, think what's th- what, what I think what's important here, and, I, and I'll edit this, is that they're different. They didn't they didn't come out of that. They're, they developed separately on their own. I think then you right. said that, I think that's, that's the point. I think that that that's good enough. I, you don't need to go into that old history. Although something interesting about them is that they also transplanted to the United States. So you find towns like Springfield, Mass, where the native mafia is almost entirely made up of people who came from Camorra strongholds in Naples. Ah, interesting. And it seems like in uh, uh, Canada, uh, uh, in Montreal, the uh, Rizzutos, I, I, I think they were Sicilian, but there was another family up there in maybe, uh, was it Toronto, that was primarily Camorra. So they must have all come from that same city. Is that? Yeah, the whole region of Naples has got Camorra in it. And um, so there's a couple of towns that all seem to come to Springfield. And then, and you see the same sort of pattern happening from other towns, you know, um, they'll all come from one little village and they'll all pick this one place in the middle of nowhere and you wonder why they're there. And it's just because one of them got there and was like, it's good, come. Yeah, uh, interesting. I, I tell you, the one of the more interesting towns, we're going to have to do a whole show on this, is Chicago. Al Capone was from, his family's from Naples. And he created this organization that they, we call today the outfit. They don't call it the mafia. And they didn't even used to have making ceremonies like the mafia does in Chicago until later on when Iupa was Sicilian. And I, I understand they finally started doing some, you know, Sicilian mafia making ceremonies. So that whole, uh, he, he brought in, uh, uh Sicilians and, and other, uh, people from Naples and, and, uh, Jewish people and, and Greek, and he brought everything in to make this outfit. In some places, they'll call it a combination, like in, I think, uh, uh, Detroit, they called it the combination. So they bring people in. They, they don't call it the uh, mafia. They call it something other name. It's a smart development. <laughs> was that Al Capone? That guy was a genius. <laughs> You're in America. You got to do it differently here. <laughs> yes, yes. He could really adapt to, to circumstances. All right. Well, Justin, this has been great. Uh, folks, you need to go out and, and check the Mafia Genealogy website. And I'll have a link to it in the show notes and on the YouTube notes down below. And and, uh, and also his Facebook page and, and like and, and subscribe or whatever. Have you do that to the Facebook page and like and subscribe to my YouTube page, of course. But but get on his. Uh, uh, do you have a mailing list out of your Mafia Genealogy when you put out a new story? Uh, no. Okay. No, I don't. Um, but I have a Patreon. 
Okay. All right. Got a Patreon there supporting guys, you know, but uh, we do this work and, and we give you a lot of entertainment and a lot of knowledge, a lot of information. And, and, and we do it just, you know, have the goodness of our hearts, but, but you got the expenses too. <laughs> I know those websites, you got to keep paying a certain amount of money and certain amount of money. Then it needs updating and then it needs this. And then something happens. I don't know what to do. So you got to hire somebody to fix that. I know there's always something. I always need a book. <laughs> really all right justin cassio i really appreciate you coming on mafia genealogy and this has been some great stories thanks a lot justin it's been fun gary thanks well guys that was justin cassio of the mafia genealogy website it's a really cool website i suggest you go take a look at it uh, a lot of good stories stories you haven't heard before and i'm gonna do some more with him of those old stories don't forget to look out for motorcycles because y'all know i ride a motorcycle although the uh motorcycle season is just about to the end i'd say it'll probably be a few more days i can zip out i like to take them out at least once every month and and drive them around the block or something uh, i'm looking at signing up for a motorcycle school out in las vegas so i'll contact some of you guys that live out in las vegas maybe and then i'll come out there next spring not sure if it's gonna come off yet or not don't forget, if you have a problem with PTSD and you've been in the service, or if you know somebody and they've been in the service, got a problem with PTSD, go to the VA website and get that hotline number and give them a call. They, there's a lot of help available. Thanks a lot, guys. And don't forget to like and subscribe and share this with your friends. That's the best way you can support the podcast now is, is tell somebody about it and, and get them started down this path with us. We We have a lot of fun here. Thanks, guys.